Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. And I realized talking to friends, actually raising money and talking to women venture capitalists, that they were looking for deals, investments in companies that addressed menopause. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show, a podcast where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. So Dave, big cannabis weekend here in Boston. The convention, right? Convention, NECAN, the New England Cannabis Conference. It was great. Tell me about it. I met a lot of people. I moderated a hemp panel, which is fabulous. I went to a hookah bar in Harvard Square. I'm a big fan of the hookah bar. Uh, The smoke is always so rich and tasty. This is a cannabis hookah bar. There was cannabis everywhere. (laughs) It was a consumption event. I've actually... I went to one consumption event. I went to the golf event last summer. So this wasn't really my crowd, but I did go for a little bit, showed my face, and then, uh, yeah, went back the next day. So did you try something at the hookah bar? Uh, They were giving away joints, but I don't know. I I do consume with my friends, and I will say, at NECAN, everyone is just smoking their joints out front. And I had gone to an event where a man had upset me because he said women weren't getting capital because they're not prepared, but that's a whole other story. Oh. And when I was walking back to the event, a friend of mine who was a young woman saw me, could see I was upset. She gave me a fatty. She's like, Joyce, you need this. (laughs) Wow. How far we've come. You've come a long way, baby, as they used to say (laughs) on the Virginia Slim Zeds. 
As I have. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we have a lot to talk about because we have a lot of guests today. But I just want to remind our friends, I did see Alex from Goods Dispensary at NECAN, and we are hosting an event with them in Davis Square, some of them, Massachusetts, on April 15th. Keep posted for events. I'll be there live with maybe Dave could yeah. be there with us. I think he's doing the podcast. So it's gonna I'm going to plan to be there. Unless something changes, I'll be there. You will do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So a lot to talk about today. In addition to our guest, we are speaking with Georgie Gordon of the Cannabis Travel Association. I attended their webinar a few weeks ago, and this is something you don't want to miss out. It's cannabis travel. Mm. Improves your mindset and so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That is cannabis. All right. Let's get started. Okay. Oh, no. The Cannabis Culture Corner. Music maestro. The Culture Corner. Lovely. All right. So I just, yes. It's a great way to start our day. Of course, March, women, we get the month of March and a day. So here we are still talking about American women. So today I want to talk about a unique American woman leader who has had a great influence on all of us, but who we know nothing about Mm. until now. A new biography by Lydia Mullen. She's a professor of philosophy at Colby College, shares a story of author and agitator Lydia Mariah Child. It is called Lydia Mariah Child, A Radical American Life. And since there's a lot, I'm going to read the description I saw on Amazon because probably better than what I could have written. So it is described it as, by 1830, Lydia Mariah Child had established herself as something almost unheard of in American 19th century, a beloved and self-sufficient female author. Best known today for the immortal poem, Over the River and Through the Wood. Wow. Child, I know, there's more though. Child had become famous at an early age for spunky self-help books and charming children's stories. But in 1833, Child shocked her readers by publishing the first book-length arguments against slavery in the United States, a book so radical its commitment about abolition that friends abandoned her, patrons ostracized her, and her book sales plummeted. Yet, Child soon drew untold numbers to the abolitionist cause, becoming one of the foremost authors and activists of her generation. Lydia Mariah Child, A Radical American Life, tells the story of what brought Child to this moment and the extraordinary life she lived in response. Through Child's example, philosopher Lydia Moland asked questions as pressing and personal in our time as they were in Child's. What does it mean to change your life when the moral future of your country is at stake? When confronted by sanctioned evil and systematic injustice, how should a citizen live? Child's lifetime of bravery, conviction, humility, and determination provides a wealth of spirited guidance for the political engagement today. Lydia Mariah Child, right? Never heard of her. Never heard of her. And my my son, Adrian, has asked me in the past who who wrote the song Over the River and Through the Woods. To, and uh, now I can tell him because I used to say, oh, uh, the Christmas guys, they wrote it or whatever. I'm reading that she wrote that poem about her grandparents' house, which Tufts, Tufts University restored in 1976. It's still there. In so Medford. she's a Boston, yeah, she's a Massachusetts. Yeah, she, uh, right. Born in, um, where was she born? Born in Medford, right. died in Wayland. But it made me wonder, what keeps a person committed to an idea that others reject? Like, she wasn't just mm. rejected. She wasn't, like, just not supported. She was, like, literally punished because she had this radical belief that 
slavery was wrong. Again, kind of comes back to cannabis. A lot of people before me, I'm riding on the shoulders of a lot of people ahead of me, but they kept this idea going during the hundred years of prohibition. And here we are today. Anyways, looking for someone interesting to learn about Lydia Mariah Child. We should know more American history about people who aren't white men. Even I agree. I know enough white men. Enough of that. Okay. Moving forward. All right. Today's guest. Today's guest is. Today's guest is the CEO of Respect Wellness, a CBD wellness product line focused on healing women's minds, body, and spirit, specifically engaged with women over 45 who, as I say all the time, know the least about cannabis but can use it the most. Her journey into cannabis brought her from New York to New Mexico, where she was a longtime venture capitalist specializing in early stage new media companies focused on emerging hardware and software technologies. She was the president of Gabelli Value Inc., a merchant banking fund that invested in undervalued, low-tech companies that needed equity financing or management assistance. Sound like cannabis. I'm very excited to share her cannabis journey with you, ask her about the recent bank failures and how this might relate to cannabis capital investment. And since she actually understands the world of business in a way I do not, I want to know how we're going to create a cannabis industry that values sustainability and caregiving as is reflected by those investing in it. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Francine Sommer, CEO of Respect Wellness in New Mexico. Welcome. Joyce, thank you very much. All right, let's just begin in the beginning. Let's. Uh, so you are a New Yorker by heart, soul, life, and you moved to New Mexico. So how did that um, happen and how does that relate to your cannabis journey? Okay, so years ago, if someone had told me that I'd be living in New Mexico, and that I'd been running a CBD company, I would have said they were completely insane. Born and bred New Yorkers, not something you'd predict, including neither would I. So the way this came about is sort of twofold. On the one hand, one of the areas that we focus on is menopause, and we'll talk quite a bit about that. And I'll share my experience with menopause. And the second part of it, and I'll go into that, is I had an operation. So let's start with that. Okay. Uh, several years ago, I had a rotator cuff operation. It was very invasive, very, very painful. And when I got off the three weeks of morphine, which was wonderful, <laughs> give me any anti-inflammatory. And, and what year? What year is this, Francine? When did this happen? 2017. All right. So that's okay. So, but you're already in New Mexico by then, right? You I was definitely. I was in, living in New Mexico. Okay. And so I started looking for alternatives. I didn't want to take any opioids. That was just off the table. And there weren't many alternatives. New Mexico was one of the first state was the first state to legalize medical marijuana. And what year was that? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. That was early. Very early. Yeah. Very very early. It was the first state. And so I got myself a card. And I wanted to look at CBD. I was particularly interested in CBD. And it took quite a bit of doing to find the right formulations and so forth, but I finally did it. And it wasn't very easy to do. And it turned out that it really helped me. It helped me with the pain. It helped me with the healing process. It was really very effective. And what, and what again, like, what did you believe cannabis or CBD? What did you know about this before this time? And did it, was well, it even well, like on your radar? College, I would get stoned. I'm a boomer. We all got stoned at some point or one point or another. But in the, after that, every so often, maybe I'd get high, but it was, certainly wasn't part of my life. Exactly. Which is probably not an unusual story for someone. No, I, I had my cannabis awakening in 2016. So 
again, we grew up in this era. We were really part of the influence. We were the people who were being influenced by these campaigns against it. And we lived a life a certain way. And then we're coming back to it. We're rediscovering it. So it's yeah, great. You were a lawyer. I was a venture capitalist. We didn't get stoned. I could I could drink, but there was no way I was smoking pot. Okay. Then the second thing that happened is we started figuring out, well, I wanted to start a company focusing on addressing the needs of people like myself. Okay. And we looked at various businesses and decided that this happened when the hemp bill passed, mm -hmm. which was in 18, 2018. Mm -hmm. And we started really seriously looking at CBD. And then we were looking at what verticals would we want to go into, the usual thing you do when you start a business. Mm -hmm. And I realized talking to friends, actually raising money and talking to women venture capitalists, that they were looking for deals, investments in companies that addressed menopause. So you were fine. Okay. All right. So again, I was at in the conference this weekend and there were lots of investor men there talking about things I don't really understand. But I was cornered by somebody who told me women in venture weren't getting money because they weren't prepared. So I don't know what that meant exactly. I've never met a woman at my level who isn't prepared at every single level and has a plan Z. But we didn't know the rules, I guess. So what were you finding when you wanted to invest in these businesses? or we so, well, so what yes. I found was that the women VCs wanted to find, address the issues of menopause. And I related to it very, very personally, that 85% of women go through menopause. Hot flashes last on average seven to 10 years. It's a long time. And in my case, I just gotten divorced when I got menopause. And I had, it was very intense. I was a venture capitalist. There were very, very few women when I was at that stage of my life doing venture capital. And I was very much of an A-type. And so I'd go into meetings and sometimes I'd find myself in the middle of a brain fog. And if I was thinking before the meeting, I would take a little, little bit of value and it would clear my brain fog. But I had to remember to take it. And I didn't always remember to take it. And I certainly couldn't pop a Valium in the middle of a meeting. I, my, my favorite one of my friends, I can tell they're like, they're like this in their meetings and they're taking their scarves off. <laughs> and you're fidgeting. Yeah, you're like, I just don't feel right. Yeah, okay. So you're having this experience and so you, don't, have, you aren't I finding things to help. Okay. It was a really difficult time for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so obviously instantly related. And then I, we started looking at it and looking at what was the medical community doing about it. Maybe 40% of women on average talk to their physicians about menopause. And the answer usually is, well, just grin and bear. It's a new phase of life and it'll pass, which is hardly, hardly helpful. So, I mean, again, I will say this is very similar to like this idea that women at a certain level in this industry are coming in and they're finding a solution to their own problem. And then they want to become the person that everyone else, the person they wish they had when they were looking. So that yes. seems to be where you are on this journey. You yeah, saw I, a problem and you were trying to find a solution for yeah, yourself and, and others. Actually, I've, I've always been interested in integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to find and did find someone at Yale who was creating various formulations with estrogen and progesterone 
topical and ingested and so forth. And I, w- I went through that program. Frankly, and what, and what, what, yeah, was this still around 2017? Was that the same time as your Rotator Cup or was this earlier? No, no, no. This was much earlier. Much earlier. Okay. So you kind of gone through this journey of trying to find something before you discovered the CBD. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. One had initially nothing to do with the other. Okay, okay. And what you have to realize is that when you go through menopause, everyone says it's a new stage of life. But it's also a completely new stage of confusion because you don't know what to do with how do you address these symptoms and you sort of become a medical researcher, which is ridiculous, okay? So that was really the genesis and what became the vision of Respect Wellness. Okay, so all right, so this is happening earlier. 2017, you sort of find, you discover CBD products that are helping you with other issues and then... Did something happen during the pandemic? Is that what was the next push, and what happened? How did you, how did you get to respect wellness? Well, we we had decided before the pandemic, my team, that we were going to do this. Then the pandemic hit, and after spending three months cleaning my house, like everyone else, we decided that we were going to self finance and do everything that we would have done if we'd raised money. And we did. So very- is, that, is, that, is that where you were? So prior to the pandemic, you had a, you had a business idea, and you were in the process of raising capital yeah, and it was for this. further down in the pandemic. It wasn't way at the beginning of it. Okay. And we just decided, okay, let's figure this out. And that's what we did. And that, that's sort of how it evolved. And then we raised some money this summer. So tell me, I'll tell, so I know you did a, so, so, so during the pandemic, you find this is working and you launched a survey. Was that before or after? What did the survey come in to sort of come in? Oh, great question. Yeah. <laughs> so before we, we decided to start the company, we did two things. I wanted to know what the competitive environment was. And one of my partners wanted to know the profile of women that were 45 and older that were very interested in wellness. So we did a survey monkey of over a thousand women. So it was statistically significant. We recruited women 45 and over from all over the country that were very keen, interested in wellness, never mentioned CBD. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Never mentioned it in the recruitment because we wanted people who to be, have no point of view about it. And when you talk about wellness in terms of like activity, eating, products, everything? Sector, yeah. Okay. And basically we had, I don't know, 85 questions. There was one bifurcation. We asked the women, have you tried CBD? And about 40% said they had. Then we said to the others, 60%, what would it take for you to try CBD? And they basically said, high quality products, organic, transparency about the ingredients, explanations about what CBD is, basically high-end transparency. We also discovered that these women, we gave them, for instance, a list of over a dozen activities. And on average, they, they checked off half a dozen. So activities like, like women, everything from skiing to walking. Uh, so they, so these are active, yeah. engaged, healthier. Very know. active, very engaged. Mm-hmm. They are women who, and this is very important, who read, who are enormous. They reach out to media. They want to, they read traditional media, they read digital media, they're engaged, social media, etc. So reaching them, this was very important. It, the survey validated a lot of our assumptions, and then we learned several new things. So what were your assumptions going into the survey? 
Our assumptions were that women were looking for alternatives to HRT. They were looking for solutions to sleep, pain, menopause. Those were the top conditions. And what were some of the surprises that you found out? Well, the biggest surprise was how active they were. Oh, really? Realized just how active they were. And how, because the number responding was enormous to how active, and that meant that we had lots of different channels to go down. I, I, again, like I'm 57. I just rode my bike 300 miles to Greece last fall. I say I'm an active adult. And as I'm getting older and CBD and cannabis are part of my lifestyle now, I do, I, I think it helps in my inflammation. I helps, I think it helps me actually like feel better in my body. So that's interesting. Yeah, active you know, women, but above all my... Yeah, well, but we have- well, if you can manage your menopause, you're going to feel emotionally better and you're going to be want to do all these things again. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you'd find this survey, you're finding that women are actually active, but what are you finding about their menopause symptoms? Are you finding surprises about that, like how they're managing that or what they feel about it? Menopause symptoms at that point. Oh, it didn't. Okay. It was really focused on their perception of CBD and what they like to do what they were interested in, that sort of thing. So we had a profile of these women, Mm -hmm. okay? There was only one question that was CBD, but we need to understand them. The second thing we we did, and we've kept it updated and it's been fabulous, is I wanted to know what the competitive environment was. And as an investor, this was with my VC hat on, that was incredibly important because Even at the time during COVID, you have so many companies. And how do you know one company from another? So we created a matrix and our criteria were, we wanted to identify high quality CBD companies. So the criteria were obviously subjective, but they were the quality of the website, how transparent they were about their ingredients and their process the quality and the complexity of the ingredients, the price points, that was basically it. And a lot of CBD companies and cannabis companies too don't have, in fact, fabulous websites. And if you're trying to create a brand, you really need a good website. And so that was very, very helpful. And we identified about 50 companies We've maintained that database and we can break it down by ingredients, by price points, by delivery method, whether it's gummies, suppositories, inhaled, ingested, whatever. Tinctures, yeah, we can do it all so many, yeah. We can slice and dice it. Mm-hmm. And recently we, we, we updated it again. Basically it was the same companies. A couple fell by the wayside. A few more were added, but it's basically the same group. And when we re- and we were trying to figure out where was there a place for respect wellness in terms of what we were offering and in terms of a price point. And when we analyzed it, we figured it out. And so when, once we did those two things, we could green light the starting the company. Okay, so menopause and CBD. I often talk about women my age and older who, again, we know the least about this plant medicine and we need it the most. Hemp CBD, it's very complicated in some ways because it's over-regulated, under-regulated. And if we're going to be using this for health and wellness, there's a lot of components to this plant that we have to understand. So 
where it's being grown, who your farmer is, how they're actually processing, what are they mixing it with? What is it supposed to help you with? How do they even know that it helps? Are they dosing it? <laughs> so there's so many factors and I try a lot of products. So just tell me a little bit about the menopause and the CBD specifically. What what are you doing to make sure that's aiming at certain like symptoms we're having and what's the, been, the response? That's a, a fabulous question. So the way we do this is our ingredients are a combination of CBD and herbal extracts. Every With the herbal extracts botanicals, they're either organic or they're wilds harvested in nature. So they're very, very clean. Okay. The CBD is grown on an artisanal farm. There, there's no genetics outside genetics involved. And this is all in New Mexico, right? Very clean. Excuse me? This is all in New Mexico? This is in New Mexico? Uh, the, the farm is in Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Okay. And, and it's also organic. Okay. So that was part of what we'd learned in the survey. Make sure this is really, really clean. And then what we did is we have as advisors, some doctors. They have a uh, fabulous team. You should go on their website if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we, we also have someone who is a doctor in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And he went to China 25 years ago and got his degree from Shanghai in Chinese medicine. And so every formulation that we created, and then we have a wonderful woman who has worked in dispensaries, run the new nutritional departments at a lot of stores, very, very experienced, and actually helped me originally when I had my surgery on my shoulder to figure out what to take. And so we put together formulations that are a combination of herbal extracts, including some Chinese herbals. And I thought you might ask this, if you'd like me to, I could describe, for instance, what we have in menopause and why we chose it. Uh, that'd be great, because I was going to ask you what are some of your favorite products and what's in it. So yes. Yeah, so I thought that would be a good, and menopause would be a good one. I yes. mean, our other products, just so you have an idea... We have a topical that's a roller mm -hmm. that addressing not chronic pain, but you know you've got bursitis or a sprain. And and, and the ro the roller's good. I know I have some friends who don't like their they're a little greasy most of the cells I've used, and the rollers are a good way for application if that's something that concerns you. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's not at all, and it works almost instantly. And over time, it seems to get better. It, it, I mean, your condition gets better. So, mm -hmm. so what do we have in it? Okay. We have black cohosh. Black cohosh is used by a lot of women for menopause. Now, why do we use black cohosh? It balances estrogen levels. If, the es if estrogen, more estrogen is needed in the system, it can increase the effects of estrogen. So that's very effective. Then we use wild yam. I don't know anyone who uses wild yam. Okay. Never seen it anywhere. So that's a hormone that supports the use and function of progesterone, okay? And, and as progesterone supports the, the menstrual cycle and so forth. And this herb helps the balancing your system because it balances both estrogen and progesterone, okay? And the, all these things have been used... Oh, long, long time. They're not new things. There's a lot of research on it. 
So we were we were very you know, we were trying to find things where CBD and cannabis, there's a lot of research in Australia and in the UK, but here there's none. And so there's very little you can say because of the regulatory environment we're in. Okay? Exactly. So alfalfa is another one. So it supplies very dense nutrients. These are minerals that are often lacking when your hormones are out of balance. Then we use lemon balm. Again, something you normally don't see. It's not because it tastes good, okay, or because of the flavor. It calms an overstressed system. Obviously, when you're going through menopause, you're all wacky, okay? Mm. So it helps balancing, it supports your mood, it helps with concentration and sleep. And it, 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 these nutrients in lemon ball get absorbed in your system. Then maca is another one. And it supports the body's ability to adapt to stress. Hmm. And so it'll help with your immune system, hormones, sexual function, energy, all those things. And the CBD that we add complements those ingredients. And the ingredients, as you can tell perhaps from the way I described it, they, the botanicals, support one another. They all do something different, but they complement one another. And the CBD's main property is anti-inflammatory. And mm -hmm. we know the basis of all condition is inflammation. True. And so it helps with digestion, immune function, and it relieves certain symptoms, such as hot flashes, brain fog, all of that. And so it's really a combination. We view the botanicals as being very, very important to what we're doing. That's a great combination of nature's way to heal us. So when you use the CBD, do you use a full spectrum, a broad spectrum, an isolate? What do you it's use? a full spectrum. Full spectrum. All right. So you are, and, and is this a tincture form? Does it come in multiple forms? or? Well, it comes in multiple forms. Mm -hmm. We have both topicals and ingested products. So the menopause balance and night sky, night sky is our sleep formulation. They're both ingested formulas and they're taken under the tongue. Awesome. Okay. So it goes directly into your gut. Okay. Yeah. So it works fast. It's very effective. So then we have two topicals. One is the roller I told you about, Ease, mm -hmm. which is for non-chronic pain. And then the fourth one is a moisturizer to help your face increase its vibrancy. That's an oil. Okay. Serum. So oil based. Mm -hmm. The others are not, are not oil-based. And recently, actually, we had an esthetician who was trying it out for her customers and adored the menopause. Uh, well, we're going to come back to that because I do want to talk about, I want to talk about getting into spas in a minute when we get back, but I have to take a quick break because we have to talk with our other guest today. So we're going to be talking more on the other side with Francine Summer. We'll be talking more about her serums and of course her banking and money information because I don't understand that stuff. But I want to give a quick chat with Georgie Gordon of Cannabis Travel Association. Georgie, welcome. Thank you very much for having us on today. All right. So I did. I, I do want to talk about the cannabis travel, but I know you have more to talk about. So we only have five to seven minutes. So just a quick explanation of who you are and then how you got into the cannabis world. And then we'll talk about canna travel. I, I can make it very. Okay. <laughs> well, if you talk to my friends, they wouldn't agree with that. But I, I, I can tell you I can be on target. 
first, I think that this is a wonderful combination with Francine. I've really enjoyed listening and learning from her today. And a big component of cannabis travel is health and wellness. And I'll touch on that in a moment. But it's a very natural segue into the kinds of experiences, particularly women, look for in cannabis travel. So just a quick synopsis about who I am and my company. I have a company called GBG and Associates. We are a teak Marcom agency. We work predominantly in the resort industry, working with clients on a B2B basis in time sharing and resorts. And I've been doing this for a godzillion years. And when I started to pivot and think that I would like to expand into the cannabis industry for a couple of reasons. One, I've always, I've I've been a a cannabis user for a long time. Back in the day, as you said, we were all boomers and we all got high at some point. I even had the wonderful experience of going to Hawaii and growing with some friends of mine. And then, of course, I moved on into traditional PR, earned media, communications. And although I did have some cannabis in my life from time to time, that wasn't the focus. So coming into this industry, I made a move from Southern California's San Diego to the desert, Coachella Valley, which is one of the most cannabis-friendly areas in the country. We have over 52 dispensaries in a very small radius. We have a number of organizations here. We have health and wellness experiences that combine cannabis. And I was sharing with a colleague, what am I going to do when I grow up? He said, well, you know, there is the Cannabis Travel Association Gosh, that's great. This is mirroring the two things that I'm the most interested when, in. When did you discover the Cannabis Travel Association? What year? Uh, two and a half years ago. Oh, okay. So it was founded by Brian Applegarth, who is very well known in, in the cannabis circles. And he founded this five years ago. And the entire thrust that the association has is to destabilize cannabis through travel. We all know that that phrase, Las Vegas phrase, happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas. Mm -hmm. This is where people, not just Vegas, even though that's coming up, but when people are traveling, they tend to do things they might not do at all. So they're more adventuresome and they do want to experience cannabis. We're finding more and more folks are doing that. What I did, uh, we did have this virtual travel fair that Joyce was able to attend and we have some information about that on our website. One of the cores of that two-day event was data compiled by New Frontier Data and delivered by Amanda Ryman, who is on our board, sharing her research, their research on cannabis travel. And I have some statistics. There are a lot of statistics. And if you go to our website at www.cannabistravelassociation.org, It'll be it'll be in the show notes. All right, all right. I'll (laughs) shop about that. So, the statistics that I pulled today are predominantly related to some of the differences between men and women and what they're looking for in travel. So, this was based on a study of four thousand people through New Frontier data. Is that something? Do you think that would be a great idea to share? Because I do. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so our organization promotes travel and cannabis through advocacy, education, and networking. And one of the advocacy tools that we offer our members is this uh, tourism report that we do every year. And that's, you'd be interested to know some of the differences 
between what men and women would like to do on their travel experience. When I go through this short list, there's about seven on the list. You'll see that these are the main four experiences that folks um, are looking for in cannabis travel. So the difference between female and male. First thing that we asked about is, would you be interested in touring a cultivation site? In this case, more men were interested in, in looking at the farms and the machinery and all that stuff. And there were 76% of males said, yes, that's what they would like to do. Females responded at a 64% rate. Not much difference. And I think what you'll also find is that the data between regular, regular travelers, more mainstream travelers, cannabis travelers are very, very similar. The cannabis doesn't really change focus of what the travel experience is for the cannabis user or the cannabis curious. So the next thing that we asked about was, would you attend a cannabis-friendly concert? Again, more men, 76%, are interested in that than women, 66%. Lord May infused meal, which mm -hmm. I just enjoyed the other day, which was wonderful. I met a city gave us some avocado-infused avocado oil. Delicious. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And did the trick and was enhanced the meal. So 76% of men would be interested in uh, having a gourmet infused meal and 70% of women. However, now we get into more things where women are more interested. An infused spa treatment is a similar coming back thing to talk about. And of course, women, we love spas. But 72% um, of women responded, yes, they would be looking for that on their travels, and 70% of the men. Again, another thing that was balanced, uh, cannabis, fitness, or yoga, that was about 55 and 55%. Taking a class of cannabis meditation, that surprisingly, more men were interested in that. But a cannabis art activity, more women raised their hands than men, mm. that they would like to do that. And then, as far as getting on a cannabis party bus. A good friend of mine here in the Coachella Valley has this great tour that she does on the cannabis. She picks people up at the airport and drives them around all the dispensaries. Well, 67% of the men want to get on that party bus and only 50% of the women. So these are just, just some of the tips of the iceberg. When we talk about cannabis exactly. travel, this is the experience. But we also went, we don't have much time left, but we talked a lot about hemp. Again, I think hemp is bigger than anything in this industry that we talk about in cannabis because hemp is not already, it's obviously we get CBD products from it, but you can build things. You can create products from it. You can have sheets. You can, again, this whole creating sustainability with the cannabis plant, the hemp plant is the cannabis plant. And this is also part of cannabis travel and how do we incorporate that? I, that was another fascinating topic that you talked about. I think the sustainability um, track that hemp seems to be more focused on, um, not that people that grow on cannabis for recreation and uh, medical use are not interested in the sustainability, but the hemp sector has taken on the importance of being green. And I think that you'll find a lot about sustainability also on our site, businesses and cultivators and distributors. So I think that that focus has a very green, if you'll excuse me, a real green focus to it on the hemp because some of the properties that are 420 friendly also use hemp in their bedding, in their towels, in many of the things that 
you know, construct with him. Some of them are now building with building blocks like Adobe that are yes, actually the, the hemp crate. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, information too about hemp, and we embrace that too in the Cannabis Travel Association. Okay. This is like a bottomless pit of information. I, again, I am a cannabis consumer now when I go places learning to travel with cannabis. Where can you actually consume cannabis? Again, there's a lot of details and things that travel is important for. So if they want to find you, if they want to learn more about this, if anyone's looking to make arrangements to be a cannabis traveler or to be a cannabis traveler host, how do they get in touch with you? Well, they can, again, you said that the website will be in the show notes and they can contact me at communicationscannabistravelassociation.org and I will respond directly to those questions. Please note that if you go to the website, there's a place that you can purchase the um, data report, among some other interesting information there. Awesome. Thank you, Georgie Gordon of the Cannabis Travel Association. If you are a cannabis traveler, if you're curious about this, check out their website. I don't know if they're having other events, but it was a really great, uh, I think she called it, it was a travel fair, right? It was a travel fair. It was virtual this year, and we are planning, fingers crossed, everybody, intentions out for a live in-person event next year around this subject. And I will talk about that too. So thank you for joining us today. All right, let's get back with Francine for the last few minutes. Let's see. You're motivated. Maybe I'll go back to travel. You're motivated to get your products into this world of spas. I always think this is actually good, not just for the person receiving the treatments, but for the person giving the treatment. So what are you doing and how are you getting connected to different, I guess, spas or just places for wellness? We're... What we're doing is there are different. There are several channels of distribution to get to the spa world. There's a very big conference that's taking place in May, that is the conference for uh, spas. There are reps that sell to spas. There's direct sales, affiliate sales. It's a whole world onto itself. And that people, I, I imagine, that this is something that spas are very. Very motivated to find yeah, good products so they can use. We already have a CBD treatment, which is great because it means we don't have to convince them of the benefits. They've already adopted. They understand it. True. But they don't have, usually they just have one. So it's a matter of coming up with some interesting products. And we're about to do that. We're actually in next month, we'll be introducing some new products on the website. Oh, like what? Like what? Interesting time. I can't. I can't tell you that. Oh, I hope it's a suppository. I love talking about suppositories. Oh. <laughs> well, it's not a suppository, okay? <laughs> All right. So we do have a few more minutes left, and we haven't really talked about banking or industry. I mean, again, I was at this conference. Finding money, financing. You've gone through it yourself. For the cannabis industry is difficult. Now we have banking collapse in Silicon Valley. I really have no idea how that connects to us. But I don't know. What are you seeing in terms of investment for you know? Well, I have women talk about the sustainability mentality versus the investment and how do we get people to put money into this industry and make it grow? When I started in venture capital, there were probably, so this really does date me, a hundred firms in the whole country and everyone invested in everything. Didn't matter the stage, didn't matter the vertical, so forth. We all got very specialized. Some of that will probably happen with cannabis and CBD. It has not happened yet. You've had a handful of venture of people who've created their first funds to invest in cannabis and CBD. And so their investors are saying, okay, show me some returns because 
they won't raise more money on the, unless they do. So in that, it's very, very early stage. The banking situation, as well as I do, and I'm sure our listeners do, is dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And the, the third piece is the FDA. The FDA, I would love the FDA to come up with some regulations. I don't care how restrictive they are. I would like to know. I think that would make an enormous difference in the ability of investors giving them much more comfort to invest in this space. People who are not specialized in it, but who are CPG, consumer product group investors, or wellness, health investors. But as it stands now, it's very challenging. I, I don't think the banking crisis, and we're talking about Silicon Valley Bank, which is yeah. a very specialized sort of bank. And naturally, there's a foreign bank that has had problems for a very long time that we learned about in the last 24 hours, but that's not. All right. So again, sustainability is the way the women investors I talk to want to talk about this world. And it's... You, you have to be creative. You have to think yeah. out of the box and you have to weave your way through this. And going after spas and distant to compute consumers is one way we're thinking of doing that. There are those, but they're... Well, I'm just, I, whatever. I'm glad you're both, both, again, every time I meet women leaders, in this industry, trying to do the things that they're doing, because obviously cannabis needs everybody. And there's a whole generation of women leaders who can be taking a charge of this. And again, I talk about this all the time. Women in the cannabis industry are using this for their own health and wellness. So they're, they're well, they're healthy and they want to be leaders. So let them be leaders because you don't really have a lot of industries with healthy leaders. And these two ladies want to be leaders. All right. So Francine, you told me some of your products, things are coming up. Are you doing any shows this year? You want to be representative. And uh, if someone wants to find your products or connect to you, what's the best way to do that? Go to respectwellness.com. And I suggest that you go in May when we will have our new products. We'll also have new packaging, a similar look, totally similar look. And we'd love to share what we're doing with all of you. Excellent. Ladies listening, we're looking for these great, clean products that are made well, that are for our health and benefit and are trying to do good in the world. And again, these ladies, they're finding solutions to problems that they had themselves and they want to be the people to help heal you. So check them out. Respect wellness. So thank you again for joining us. That's another show for my guests, Francine and Georgie. And of course, my Cannabro, David Yaz and our Mom show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cannon Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is The Cannon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% .9 of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like. 
their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.